I love that little symbol, like, shh, at the end there. All right. Why is camera so blurry looking? It's blurry. Uh, it tries to focus in on me sometimes, but I got the dog laying next to me, and the dog has a, he is wearing the cone of shame. Um, so I don't want to, it's like, Poor I'll dog. just, I'll, I'll move in my seat over this way. There we go. Anyway. Hi, everybody. I'm so, I'm glad to be here. I had a, I had a great, like, it's been an interesting week. It's been a great last few days. Um, my wife's grandmother passed this week and, uh, that has been a lot roller coaster of emotions plus we've had some really great stuff going on our the life is always like dualistic it's always like yeah. awesome at the same time and something traumatic is happening yeah at the same yeah time. i feel like we've been living in that state for like the last three to four probably four years yeah it's really so, been nuts which you know i i heard something the other day and it really it hit me um where i just thought like Did you think, fill in the blank, did you think teaching would be hard, right? When you thought about being a teacher and I want to become a teacher, would it be hard or would it be easy? Um, when I got married, did I think it would be hard, right? You know, if you were honest with yourself, you'd say probably sometimes it's going to be hard, right? Like if I, did I think having kids was going to be hard? Did I think owning a house would be hard? Did I think owning a dog would be hard? Now, I didn't think it'd be this hard, but it's hard. <laughs> and so if that's correct in your mind, you knew it was going to be hard. But until hard happened, you didn't know what hard felt like. And so when you got the house and the the water heater goes and you got to take cold showers for a week or walk down the streets to Rob's house four blocks away early in the morning and get a shower at his house, which is weird. Um, yeah, it's hard. Marriage is wonderful till you have disagreement till something traumatic happens. And then it gets hard teaching until you had that parent teacher conference, the kid cursed you out. The principal seems like they have zero idea what's going on. There is something a trauma that happens in in the school or outside of the school that affects everybody that's going that is working there you knew hard but you didn't know what hard felt like and so in that what i've been thinking about this week is now you know what hard feels like and so you you're not so surprised when it shows up but what can you do to get better right to do better you have to be better so here's the idea. You can do more to be more to have more, right? Want more peace? You got to do more so you can be more so you can have more. Want to have more classroom management control, better relationship with your with your kids, with your spouse. You got to do more to be more to have more, right? And I, and I'm not trying to oversimplify here. I realize people are going through a number of different things and some of those are not but so like if you lost a loved one i'm not going to say that like this is this is just that it's just that easy um it, it is difficult but there are things and so look um now that i'm thinking about it well i want to say i oh, do please. i think it is that easy but i think that the path like what's well, that simple right the right. solution is that simple the path to get to that yeah that place is definitely not yeah. easy yeah it's right. very so hard it's very simple 
yes. to get in shape and lose weight. Yep. It's extremely the simple. The formula is right? pretty simple. Mate. It's but simple. it's hard to do it every day. Yeah. It's hard to wake up. It's hard to go to the gym. It's hard to yes, eat exactly. this instead of that, right? Right. Um, so this wasn't meant to be a sales pitch or something like that, but now it's just making me think. <laughs> so we were supposed to do this on Saturday. We we're supposed to do this student engagement workshop. I think student engagement has a lot more to do than just having fun in the classroom, right? Um, I think that there is a level of consistency that comes with student engagement. I think it's a level of showing up. It's a level of, of you being um, attuned to what your students are going through and things that they love and like and things of that nature. So we created this workshop. It was supposed to happen yesterday. It didn't because that's when uh, the funeral was. So instead, that workshop is going to be happening next Saturday, which the good thing is just means you can buy, still get on board with it. Um, we priced it at only $67 because we felt like that was a fair amount for for the enormous amount of effort that went into doing this. Because look, I'm going to tell you what, we only want to do things on excellence. That's all. That's the only place I want to live is excellence. Um, but... We, if you're struggling with student engagement, if you're struggling with school, with students, with having some fun, with light shining out of your classroom door, we got you. So we created this event. It's going to happen next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is focusing on like transitions. How do you get kids from one thing to another? How do you get um, kids to pay attention, to stop talking, to get their work done? And so... I am. I put together this program, uh, not just me, with the team, and it, we are going to execute it next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you cannot make it live because you live in South Korea or Germany or somewhere else, at the time might be different for you. It's going to be recorded, and you can just watch it back. And it's the same thing as watching it live, right? You'd be able to watch it right there. Uh, you'll get a special link and all the resources and all that stuff. So that's happening next Saturday. Um, that's it. That's all I want to talk about. Okay, yeah. can we answer? Can we answer? Speaking some of hard, let's get into it. I know because people got some hard questions in here. All right, I'm ready. Uh, the first one's not too too bad. Uh, Jack is asking, looking into entering teaching near Chattanooga, Chattanooga. Um, as a high school uh, JROTC instructor at the age of 52 with 28 years of service. Any experiences with this program that you can share? First of all, Jack Gray sounds like a a character from a, like an awesome character yes. on a TV show. Yes. Gray. Jack Gray. Like he's an action movie. Yeah. So I love <laughs> that he was, I love that he is a veteran because it's just like, which it just he's sounds awesome. He's got some awesome. action stories for sure. Jack Gray's got a hundred stories, I'll bet. So here's the thing that I love about this, uh, Mr. Gray, is that, um, you know, when I, it makes me laugh because I think when I started teaching, I didn't start teaching until I was 27. And I just thought, man, I don't, so out of touch now. I think I'm. I think I might be too old. To do I remember this, when right? you started. We were like it was like a forty-five year old me is like, bro, bro. <laughs> you were barely grown. Like when you were twenty-seven. Like like twenty-two year old me should not have been in charge of anybody. Um. So I think when I talk to folks now about this idea, and there's people in the comments, I'm sure are gonna hit you up. Like I know Chris Carson got into the game later than than many and and there are a lot of people here that have done have similar story the beauty of that is look 28 years of service right so first of all thank you and second of all that's so much experience you have lived life the reason 22 year old me now i'm not saying 22 year old anybody else i know me 22 year old me would not have been able to teach us i didn't live enough 
I didn't, I wasn't healed enough. I had, like, I went through a lot of hard stuff when I was a kid, and I wasn't ready to be put in, in charge of, of young people, uh, of having anything to do with their future. So to me, being 52 and all you know, all you've learned, all you've lived through. So when a kid goes, why do we got to do this, bro? I'm going to break it down for you right now because I've been there, right? I think that that is, there's a ton of that. So that's the first piece of advice I would give you is that don't like, I and I don't know if you're feeling that way, but like you're 52, that's 52 years that you have lived through untold amounts of stuff that you're going to be able to use in the classroom. I think the other thing is, the, 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 where I see folks kind of go wrong, and this is even really young teachers as well, is that they um, they have an idea of what school's going to be like, and then like they or it's Billy Joel, the good old days weren't always good, right? And so thinking back, it's like oh, school was like this, and I had this teacher, and I had this experience, it was so wonderful, and then you get there, and it's like oh, this isn't the thing, right? So it's being mindful of what you're showing up for. What is your mission? What is your role? What do you want to do? Um, but not, but trying to ease up on the expectations of what you think kids today are like or are going through. Now, the way that you do that is you build relationships with kids. It's the only way that you get, that you will build connection. Because look, I talk about relationships a lot, but one of the things that's so important that I don't think, it's not just about like getting to know your kids and not just like, getting kids to like you or something like that. It is being, it is being unbelievably aware of who you are dealing with, who you're connecting with, who is, who's in your room, right? You really have to know who that is so you can teach who that is, right? It's like knowing your customer, right? Like if you have to know your customer to be able to serve them well. And so I would, I would say that that's a, that's a thing that, that I would really focus on in, in this next season. My right. best to you, Jack. Jack, if you need anything, please hit us up at realrapwithmentals.com or you can come on here or go to the Facebook group or something like that. It would be awesome. All right. Well, we got a super chat, so we're going to go with this guy's question. All right. We appreciate Again, it so much. Thank you very much. much. Uh, I think it's well, – how do you say it? Is it Dan – it's not Dan – Dane Mantrain? I don't know. The Dane Mantrain? All right, we're going. Cool. I'm going to go uh, with Dean. That sounds good to me. Our I DNA, like the DNA show. Oh, he's got a show on YouTube. Right, look it up. All right, asking a really great controversial question here. This is a good one. Uh, I'm convinced that teachers leaving the classroom has more to do with systemic dysfunction than some sort of personal issue that makes you a better or worse teacher. Your thoughts? I, you know, I think it's different for different people. Um, can it be both? It can be That's both, what I and it's going to depend on the school, right? So. I do think that there's a systemic issue in that, like, I mean, oh gosh, this is such a big thing. But, like, if I can try and simplify this idea, coming back from COVID, COVID left a lot of people traumatized for any number of reasons, right? And I'm not, like, I think there's a lot of judgment around, like, should that happen or shouldn't that happen? It's not for me to judge. I'm just saying, like, folks are coming back different. And if we don't, I, if we don't, um, look at that if we don't try and help with that or just listen to that or or do something and just keep going like like nothing ever happened we are doing a disservice same thing with children children don't always know that they are traumatized right they just start presenting an, any number of different um, thoughts feelings actions in the classroom and outside the classroom 
that are that are tied to some sort of trauma that they can't they don't even identify. They don't know that that's why they're doing it. They don't know that that's why you're acting out. That's why you're angry all the time. That's why you want to hurt somebody else. That's why you want to act out. That's why you want to get attention. That's why you want to withdraw. And so creating safe spaces for kids to be able to to at least, at the very least, explore and express what they're thinking, feeling, and going through, right? Like that's that bottom bargain basement line, right? If we're, if we're not doing that, it makes teaching unbelievably difficult. Now... Then you get, then you're matched with people are leaving, and now y'all got to do a hundred other things all of a sudden, right? Like it's like, oh, teach extra class. You got bus duty. You got lunch duty. We're gonna need you to come in. It's like, no, 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 no. I signed up to teach. I'm not, I'm not a hallway monitor. I'm not a lunch monitor. I'm not a bus monitor. I'm not like I signed up to teach. My job is to connect with children, to take that connection, and to make it into meaningful. Um, learning experiences. And so when we start piling more and more and more stuff, now all of a sudden teachers, it's just like uh, cops in my neighborhood. I see it all the time. We're like, cops are like, you're the cop, but you're also the crossing guard. And you're also the guy who's policing the situation when when the electric company has to put up a new pole and they're fixing a pothole. So we need a cop out Something here. Something with a lost animal or, you know, because they do many, many yeah. things and wear many hats. Maybe they could just police. It's, it's, it is, it's so... It's, it's, there's so much that folks are being asked to do that I think it's that overwhelmingness of f- also people beating themselves up. It's that negative self-talk. But then oftentimes schools are pouring gasoline on that fire and there's going, no, you're right. You're not good enough. You're not enough. You're not great enough. Um, I just had a conversation with someone and I won't share their name. So if you're listening to this, please know that I won't share your, your story even completely. But um, they dealt with three deaths of students, two deaths of, of students and, and another situation in, in a week or two weeks. Right. And then they just got to go teach. They were and, and there's no counseling for them. There's no help for them. There's no therapy for them or the students. I'm saying like, but that it's like, to me is it's like, like, yo, can you pay attention? Wait, go teach now. What? What? I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just think like, like with a question like this, it's like, it's not just one or the other. It, there is a whole host of problems in education, but I, I think it spills over, not just from education, but into our culture and how we are, there's no, we don't, there's no care for social and emotional like development yeah. in children. It's not part of programs. You can smack it in and tell a teacher to do it and fill it in homeroom. And that's the time that we're doing like the little social emotional program. Yeah. And it's like, that's not really what kids need yeah. or even adults. I think you have a lot of adults who are walking around thinking that they're grown, mature adults, but yet can't handle their emotions. They are triggered all over the place from their own undealt with trauma. I think that's a huge, those two issues are a huge part and the workload of why teachers are leaving in just mess. It's like, we're just unsupporting, but that's what I'm so excited that we want to build something to offer to schools and to people like, and to teachers to support more holistically the teacher. So let me, let me say, Gosh, there's so much there. There is a lot more there. I could even say more about that, I but know. I'm going to get to the next question. Okay. Are we going to move on? Is that it? I, let me say this. If you feel less than as a teacher, I want you to know that there's two options here. Maybe you are. Maybe you're just not there yet, right? Maybe you're still growing. Maybe you're still getting there. And that's okay. Teaching, I've said many times, is the only job 
that folks feel like they need to be good from the jump, and it's just not true. You don't become a carpenter, a piano player, or a baker, and all of a sudden people are like, dang, like you're incredible, right? Unless you use my friend Betty, because Betty Crocker makes it easy to bake. But that's not what education is, right? We try to make it like that. We try and have the system and go, all you got to do is add some egg and some oil and some water or whatever, whatever you do, because I don't bake. But like, it's that simple. It's just not that simple. The other thing is you're not less than. You're doing a great job. And don't let anybody take that away from you because you are showing up with your heart and soul. If you're watching this right now, on a Sunday afternoon, you could be doing anything. Playing video games, watching football, hanging with your family, going out for coffee with someone, going to have lunch, doing anything nap. else. What are you doing? You're watching YouTube about teaching. That show, you're, dif- you're different. You are made different. And so don't let anyone take that away from you, right? That's, that's, my, that's all I can say. I wish I could give you a hug. Go ahead. All right, Mallory is asking, uh, up next, asking, I opened a store on TPT to get supplemental income. I've gotten lots of pushback from colleagues who disagree on (laughs) selling resources. Apparently, it's a common opinion. Thoughts on TPT uh, controversy? Look, Mallory, I think there is a lot of people that hate TPT. What I'm going to say is this. It's also a place of good and bad. I think it's got both in there. Because you got people that never taught before or taught for one year, and they got something, and... You don't always know where you're getting it from. Now, look, there are, I know folks that are selling stuff on TPT that are good people, right? I've mentioned her before. My friend Megan from Too Cool for Middle School on YouTube, she makes good stuff on TPT. She's a great teacher. She's a great person. She's a great mom. Like, like she's doing good stuff. Not everyone has the platform to be able to sell their wares otherwise, right? And so if you sold it at a flea market, would anybody have a problem um, and so, or if that if if she if Mallory built a website and instead of used TPT but built her own website and put everything on there to sell, it's like, what are they? What are people razzing her for? Is it selling? Is it just because it's on TPT, or yeah. is it because you're just selling resources to make ends meet for your family and your life? Yeah. Like, so let's speak to that. Real they're quick, hating right? on that because Mallory, okay, I, you can keep that. I mean, if you really <laughs> want to get hated in your school, here's I'm going to give you the recipe: go right. start a YouTube channel, mm-hmm, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> like it's it is, and I'm not going to say everyone. I've had a lot of people that have supported me. I've had people that have come to my school to get jobs because I worked there, but it it is. Definitely, like, look, it's hard to be a prophet in your own land, right? And so you need to know that your family comes first. That if you need to supplement your income, which almost every single teacher does, it is, um, and which I'll tell you right now, and I'm not going to let the whole cat out of the bag, but, like, this is something we're dreaming about. This is something we're actively working on creating something now that's going to help teachers to supplement their income doing what they already do, Right? If you, if you can do that so you can stay home with that beautiful baby that's in your profile picture, there, and that might be an old picture. I don't know. Maybe your baby's 21 years old, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's still got needs. They still need to do stuff. Then I say, take, if what you're doing is good and it's blessing people, you go out there and sell it any way that you can because that's supporting your family. And if what you're doing, if you know is good work, and that, but that's where you got to go. Like You might not even be that much of a capitalist, but like if you want to start a store... And you put it in the mall, you're going to do a whole lot better than if you have a lemonade stand, 
like or like you're like on your block just selling it out of your driveway on Saturdays at a yard sale like you got to go where the people are to sell the thing that they want to buy and so if what you're doing is good work then go out there and bless people with it and and of course people are going to hate on you but every time you try and do something great people are going to try and hate right and so Always. that happens all the time you can have a great lesson a great moment bring a speaker in go on a, a incredible class trip and there's going to be someone that's like really you went on a class tr- oh great now we look we're you know, let's i'm not trying to hurt anybody else y'all can go on there and sell your stuff too you can sell it on your website too you can make extra money too so go do it and we all know that teachers they don't have enough time as it is it's like we should be helping you know if you're putting out something good that someone else can use that's shaving off and helping time them save time it's like why is that looked down upon and to make some extra bucks no no because teachers already make no money. I know. It's so just... it's like, I'm just, uh, what am I making money at? Helping teachers. Don't listen you know to those people. Because if you had, haters. if you sold, if you had a restaurant, right, that sold teach, if you owned a food truck and your food truck sh- showed up at the school and sold lunch every day, people wouldn't be going, what are you doing? Oh, you're making money off teachers? No, I'm feeding them. <laughs> John Lopez is saying that you sound like Squidward from SpongeBob <laughs> you know when you do that voice. <laughs> I love that Lopez knows who Squidward is. Oh, that is kind of funny. Okay, let's go. Jacob Ingram is up next. Jacob, please email us. You want a book? You get, from... you got, you, we got stuff for I'm you, I'm trying bro. to get a hold of you. <laughs> um, okay, his question is, I have a student who comes to class high and then won't stay awake. Admin just asked him if he was on anything. The student said no, so they send him back to class. What should I do next time? I... I'm wondering if other people have an idea about this, but I, I know what I do. And it's, there's one of, there's a couple of different things and it depends on the kid. Um, gosh, oh, there's so much to say about this. I have some uh, smart accents. I know. No, like, I can't but even I'm just say. thinking of like my kids last year that were all yeah, coming yeah, in yeah. they were doing edibles and then showing up to school well, and, and the edible the would hit about... during my second period class. And then it was, um, they, they were whatever. So I'll say so this. If Jacob it. is in a state that recreational is legal, I will say that I think that that is, it just makes it. Yeah, but so you New have Jersey, to be 18 for that. It doesn't matter. Legal. You can still get your hands on it. Just Yeah, so but it doesn't easy. matter because it's not legal. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying like it just is increases, makes it really difficult to navigate when they have so many sneaky like or non-smelling or vaping yeah, yeah, yeah. like these avenues that you can take without even smelling the product yeah. that you, you know, in my day, that was always the thing. Schools would, yeah. you could smell it on a kid very easily. So, but nowadays, it's very, very tricky. And so I just am saying, like, if recreational is legal in the state that you're in and you're having an issue, I think it, it adds to it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to write all. myself a note real quick. Um, but I am going to answer this. Uh, I need to make a warning label mm. for what I'm about to say. Uh, and then we're going to be able to flash it up here. I think, um, Jacob, I'm going to say some things. I'm not saying that you should absolutely do them. I am not a professional counselor or anything like that. I just know how I roll and I know it's worked for me. So I don't want you to go and do something that's going to get you in trouble or pushback or written up or something like that. So take what I say, digest it, and then see what you want to do. There's a number of ways I deal with kids that show up to class high. One is just asking them to stand next to their desk. Um, the other one is, 
um, I have often sent kids to the nurse or to the office because I tell them like, look, someone cannot stay awake. I, and here's where I go. I think something, I, and I, even if I know they're stoned out of their mind, I just go, listen, I don't know what's happening with this young person. Um, they're having a really hard time staying awake. Could be a cry for help. Could be something else going on. I'd like if someone could check in with them. Right. So now not only am I sending you out, one, I'm messing up your high, right? So I'm, I'm like messing with your with your vibe here too. Two, I am putting it into the hands of someone who's able to help you. I'm busy teaching class. I don't have time to, to counsel you in the moment. Um, and so that's another thing. Send them to a counselor. Send them to the nurse. Send them to the office, right? And so they can get the help that they need, hopefully. But then I always circle back around. I never send problems out the door that I don't follow up with on the back end. So it's talking to students oftentimes about um, what they're doing. And this is the tricky part, right? Like, I'm not sure if this is like legal or if you're allowed to do this. But when I have dudes that come in and they're high or they're, I've had kids that were drunk, I've had kids that are all kinds of things going on. It really comes down to why is this an issue, right? Do I have a problem with you smoking pot? Do I have a problem with you doing edibles? Do I have a problem with you to come in the school drunk, right? Like I, I separate myself from whether or not I think this is that like morally, this is an issue. What it comes down to is this. Why are we doing drugs before school, right? So why are we getting high before school? Right. That's a real conversation. Do you think it's just funny? Do you think it's fun? Did you just thought it would be cool? Or is there an underlying issue, right? So if you're getting high that early in the morning, is there something else going on? Are we trying to numb ourselves against what's happening in our lives? And then is that is that something that's going on? The other thing is, look, I'm going to tell you what. If you want out, if you don't like the life you're living, you don't like living with your parents, you don't like being in foster care, you don't want to... Um, you, you've had some sort of trauma. You've lost a friend, a loved one, a family member, right? And you want out of this. I'm going to tell you that the only way out is education. Now, I'm not saying that has to even be a high school diploma or a college degree, but if you can't self, you, you, so clearly you can self medicate, but are you able to self educate when you need to be able to do it? And so the only way to get to what you want to, that dream you want to live is what I said earlier. It's to be more. You have to be a better version of yourself. How do we do that? We do more, then you can have more. And it's getting kids to understand that when you're showing up stoned, what you're doing is oftentimes you're giving up hope in what's in the future, right? Now, look, this isn't every kid. I know some kids are just being kids and they're, they're, getting high before school and they just think it's funny and that's a different conversation sort of but what i'm saying is if you have little brothers and sisters and they're growing up in the same difficult traumatic household that you are now by you self-medicating and showing up to school like that now what you're doing is you're putting their future in jeopardy also because it is your job to to get out it is your job to move on it is your job to live that life that you want to live so you can bless other people so that your young younger sister who's in fifth grade and it's now daylight savings time except for arizona they can they don't have to walk home in the dark anymore because you they don't even live in that neighborhood anymore because you were able to pay for them to go to a different school so that they are getting the love and care that they need somewhere else 
So it's really, I think it is helping kids to realize that their, their actions have consequences. And it's not just consequences like you're going to get in trouble with your mom or the cops. I'm talking about it's bigger than that because you could be the person that breaks the cycle of abuse, of trauma, of poverty in your family. You could be the one but we're just throwing that out because you can't even hear what's happening right now because you're standing, staring at Reynolds' jellyfish timer on the board like it's the most amazing thing that ever happened. So it's knowing the time and place that you're going to do the things that you're going to do, but not before my class because I'm trying to change the world right now. And I'm, what do I change the world? How do I change the world? By creating opportunity. I can't do it for you. I just create the opportunity for you to show up, to do the work, to get better, to so you can do and have more. That's it. So you would just have that conversation. I have that conversation. And it, I think most kids don't have it broken down to them in a way that actually applies to their life yeah, now. I agree. Right? But you have to wait later because don't try and have that conversation with someone that's stoned because they're just going to look at your lips and be like, this is amazing. Well, they're going to go, wait, what'd you say? Wait, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, Sharon is That was a very up. long answer. Let's go, Sharon. Sharon's up next. A two-parter asking my school. Is, well, gosh, it's along the same line. Let's do it. Uh, my school is doing pretty much nothing about vaping outside of suspensions. There are no consequences beyond that, and my students are getting frustrated as well as the staff. What can I encourage my students to do outside of board meetings? What can the staff do? We feel this is being brushed under the rug. So, Sharon, I think this is such a great thing. Um, I, I think the problem with vaping is young people, really, they don't understand the the ramifications of it. So it could be things like getting a speaker come to your school, but we've had good ones and we've had ones that are like, everyone's like this, who's this? Why are they talking to us? This is terrible. The guy that says, don't do drugs. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> don't do drugs. And then they have some weird metaphor and you're just like, all right, wait, wait. okay. I could have done better than this. Um, it is. Students need to know that they have power. And I will say that the school that I just finished teaching at in West Philly, we had some of the most deplorable lunches I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Like the kids used to joke um, that prison food was better than our school food. Like, so kids, everyone's free and reduced lunch. Sorry, my dog with the cone on his neck is scratching. <laughs> it's hitting the leg of my desk. Um, so they would show up for school and they would get what's the equivalent of a very small Nutri-Green bar and a tiny little thing of juice that I'm, I'm no kidding. It's you know, like everybody as big knows as this. Everybody knows kindergarten. Like it's like that little But tiny. this is, these are, these are high school boys. Some of these dudes are taller than I am. I mean, we're talking 250, 65, like big, big boys. And this was what you were given, right? Lunch was no different. It would be like a hot dog with some green beans that were not green. And so um, we used to call it apocalypse food because it looked like everything came out of a can. It was like just a heater away from being edible. And so the problem with that is that students were hungry all day. So then when they end up eating like whatever's cheap from the corner store, right? So like, what can you get for two bucks? You can get this many like, like pastries or like tasty chips. cakes or chips or blue soda or whatever, right? And then you're having the sugar high and you're crashing in class, right? So it's, it's one, it's understanding why this is a problem. Two, our students did a fast from school lunch for like I was a week or two weeks where they just brought food either from home or from the corner store and they shared it with one another. And so when they got called up to come get lunch, not one 
kid ever got up. And not because they were going hungry, because their friends, somebody would be like, you don't have anything to eat? Yo, come here, I got chips or I got whatever. Or my mom made peanut butter and jellies for everybody, whatever it was. And no kidding, after two weeks, the school was so mad. And so were the lunch people, because they had all this food. They just ended up throwing it away. So the kids pushed. After two weeks, the school got a new contract. They got new vendors. They got new food. They had options. And it wasn't great, but oh man, was it way, way better than what they had. The thing is, children don't understand that they have power. Now, I'm not telling everyone they need to walk out or they need to have a, a fast from lunch. But it's, it's getting that creativity thinking. What can the teachers in your school do? Who, when they have the meeting, who's staying after the meeting to go, all right, y'all, what are we really doing to move the ball forward, to, to make things happen? And the same thing with kids. What are we really going to do about this? And then realizing that you have power. There's powers in numbers. There's, powers in your, there's power in your voice. Um, and there's power in your actions. So what are you going to do? What's that, babe? Uh, Sharon also said in a, a comment she posted, she said, they served hot dogs in a taco shell at my high school last year. It went viral. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's the same person who asked this It's question. like, it's the same way, like, when they're like, give pizza. Oh, I know. And they're like, no, it's te technically, according to the government, pizza is a vegetable. That's you how they why? get it into school. Because <laughs> it has tomato sauce on it. What? I don't need my my kids to hear that because then Brody's going to think a hot pocket is actually healthy because it has a pepper in it or something like that. So I, I think that it's just um, it's identifying the issue and then it's dreaming up ways that like what 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 do you want them to do? What do you I want? Think. What if this was easy? What if this was fun? What what if that what if this worked? It's thinking about things slightly differently, getting together with the right group of people, and then. Just keep bothering them. I bothered admins so much last year that as soon as I was like, hey, do you have five minutes? I would just see their faces. They'd be like in the hallway and they're like, oh, oh, because it's like <laughs> we're changing grades. Like we're we're we're, do, we're, we're doing illegal things. Um, so I have a question about that. And so it's it's just constantly showing up and pushing back and then don't give up. All right, Meatball Molly is up next asking, how do you tell your principal that your grade level partner is not doing their job when the principal supports that teacher? I go over and beyond and the teacher gets away with everything. All right, so this is a great question because what happens here, what ends up happening is this is like, it's codependency, right? That person's getting away with doing stuff um, on the back of what you're doing. So one sort of easy way to get around that, and this is what I've done because it really shows someone else's inability, although the students will suffer for a moment, it is I, when I co-teach with someone, I split responsibilities, right? So it is um, pre-class, right? And I learned this years ago. I taught with this guy who was just the worst. I've talked about him a million times. He used to sleep in the back of my class. <laughs> I hope he never watches this. <laughs> he, no, he passed away. Oh, that's Yeah, funny. yeah. So um, he, he would <laughs> kick kids. Um, but I've had other people too that were, that were horrible, right? And so I don't like to talk ill about the dead, but it's my only example that I have. Look, so um, and it got so bad that I walked out of class one day. I went, I went to the um, Witter, the head of curriculum, and I said, "I'm not teaching with this person anymore. Y'all need to get somebody else in there. I don't care. You could literally—that's the year that I made a mannequin out of wood and a styrofoam head." <laughs> that's and I said, "Fred came to yeah, me." <laughs> yeah, and I said, "I, I made, I made my own teaching assistant, and I was like, can I just? I'm just going to use this guy." Because he's literally better 
than uh, than having this human being in my classroom. And so, which was, I mean, if you really want to drive people crazy, make a mannequin. <laughs> Actually, you can buy one. I'm about to get mine. It's finally back in stock at $69 on, uh, on oh, Amazon. Right. Um, all so, we need is a mannequin in our house. That's we need because we don't have, we have enough room. Um, so it's split your teaching responsibilities. Put them in charge of a certain thing. Maybe it's pre-class. Maybe it's, um, so what I would do with this individual, I put them in charge of vocab. So every Monday they had to have the words every day for the first 10 minutes of class. They had a mini lesson that focused on the vocabulary and reviewing it. They were in charge of administering the tests and grading the tests. I did everything else. All quizzes, all the reading, all the organization, every single other thing, putting in grades, all of it, parent communication, their job was vocab. And when they did it, it was such a disastrous failure that it was very, very evident. The kids were getting mad at that teacher. Uh, parents were getting mad. Their kids' grades were low. That they had unfair testing situations. That IEPs weren't being implemented. So it was splitting that up so that it was like, we're not both doing everything. We're both teaching class. But you're going to start and do, I'll, I'll do the journal entry. Then we're going to jump in the vocab. Then I'll take it back from you and we'll do this thing. So it's going to make it a little harder on you on the front end because you're going to have kids that are aggravated. But that's the only way to really break the codependency, I think, is to is to cut them off and make them do their own thing. Yeah. And because just running to your principal just to complain is is going to backfire, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, like it, it can, ends up especially if they're backing that person, right? Like right. That's they, what I'm saying because yeah. this person, they say they um, – the principal supports that teacher so for whatever why or whatever is not like important it just that it is and so yeah. it's like no don't don't just go to that because that that could get you in trouble I would and then think. molly make sure that what you're when you are doing what you're doing in class put i would be on 11 i'd be doing the greatest job i possibly could to really even then drive the disparity home of like that there's such a separation in in the classroom all right, Summer's up next asking, how do you fall back in love with teaching when you're beat down and exhausted after several rough years that have drained the desire to keep going? Um, Summer, this is tough, right? Uh, I would say there's a lot of different answers for this. Um, I'll rattle off a few, see what sticks. One um, and I know this is impossible for everyone, uh, but is there a better school for you? Is there somewhere else to go? And that seems hard, right? But I'm telling you, anyone that's ever been in a bad relationship knows that, like, you could just ride out the relationship. We're already married. We're already dating. We already live together. Gosh, we bought the couch together. Like, he has the better car. It's more reliable. Like, whatever the situation is, you could make an argument for why you should stay, but anyone that's ever left a bad situation, a bad relationship, and gotten into a good relationship knows that, like, no, the grass is sometimes greener on the other side, right? So, like, maybe this is something we should be thinking about. The other thing is learning how to say no. And so let me re let me remind everyone that no is a complete sentence. So, hey, can you uh, – we're going to need you to um, – there's a meeting after school, after the meeting, and it's gonna we're going to be here till about 5 o'clock. Uh, we, we're going to need you to be there. No. Can you pick up an extra class today because someone's absent and we need to make sure that there's someone in there with the kids? No. Can you do lunch duty? No. Can you, hey, listen, um, the bus person isn't here today. This is a literal thing that's happened in my school. We need you to take the school van and drive some kids home. 
no. It's literally just saying no. But what I do is I try to be excellent at my job. The things that I'm actually there to do, right? Creating fun in the hallways, connecting with students, making dynamic lessons, um, making the class come to life. I try to be excellent at. And then I just say no to everything else. And that that is hard to do, right? I'm not trying to make it sound overly simple. Um, but saying no is the only way to get your time and your vibe back, right? Because you are, a lot of times teachers are so exhausted because they're so overextended. So it's like, I just say no to stuff. And what's the worst thing that's like, to be honest with you, like, I don't know. I don't want to say you won't get fired, but like with the teacher shortage that exists right now, Bro, who are we firing right but now? But if you're unhappy like, at your school anyway, nobody wants to be fired, and, and I don't want anybody yeah. to be fired. But there is a, a boundary line, I think, that teachers need to become more, at least on, from this end and from my seat, it yeah. seems like, and not in a classroom. It seems like that, yeah, it's just more of a boundary line of saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I can't do everything. like, and Because it ends up you just sacrificing yeah. you. And but, but where does that come from, right? If we real quick identify where that comes from, that comes from... Teaching is something that's done with your heart. Right, exactly. Right? For course. so many, not everyone, right? There are some people that it's just, it's their head. They just love, they love literature. That's what they want to do. So many of us teach with our heart. We want to show up. We want to do all we can do. We want to be the, the, the best we can be for mm. kids, right? But what schools do often is they trick you into, oh, you're not, you're not going to, this, but this is for children. Like, and, and it's like, no. There needs to be different jobs. I can't be on a football team and do all the jobs. We have different players, different coaches, different pe personnel that are in charge of different parts of the game, right? So no, I'm not going to quarterback and help clean up afterwards. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be a running back and and also paint the lines before the game because y'all couldn't figure out the line painting guy beforehand or or girl. Like, it's no. And so to me, that's where like there's a lot of freedom in that. And I'll tell you what. People treat us the way we teach them to treat us. And so I'll tell you that I have set, shared this example before. Last year, teachers were covering up to 12 classes a week. That means 12 of your preps, 12 times that you were supposed to be having lunch, doing something else, were taken up by teaching. And not even teaching, just babysitting other classes, sometimes teaching. And last year, I told them I will give you one a week. That's it. Not one a day, one a week. And then it's a wrap after that. And I just wouldn't show up to those classes. I would tell them I'm not going to like ghost them, but I'd say, no, I, you need to find someone else because I have other obligations. I have grades. I have parents. I have to contact. I have students. That I have to tutor. I'm actually doing some, I'm not just chilling. And even if I am, it's my time to chill anyway. So it's, I think it's putting up those boundaries, and that really helps. Um, I'm going to say real fast because she added it in a comment. She said, I switched schools th this year, oh, and it right. was a great fit until the kids came, and no action matched before school promises. So to me, my school was a nightmare last year. Um, I think I shared that like in just the month of March, I think the maintenance guy fixed like 58 holes in the wall or something like that was the story because uh, there was constantly fights and roughhousing and, and nonsense going on in the hallways. Uh, I handle what's in my room. I do not take on what else is happening in the school, right? If that's if the culture of the school is that it's a free for all everywhere else, I I stop I stopped standing in the hallway and started standing in my door. So when kids came in, I was still greeting kids, still saying what's up, still seeing kids as they went by and saying hi to who needed to be said hello to. 
but I was not I was not in charge because you'd end up being in the hallway and you'd be the only one and it would be madness. Um, I remember the vice principal was in the hallway last year just screaming at kids and they start laughing at her and yelling at her. And I was like, nope, I will not be a part of this this madness. I will stay in my classroom. And that is where I have some semblance of control and influence and um, and motivation for kids. I'm not taking on the problems that everyone else can't handle. All right, our next question uh, is a two-parter. How to approach the conversation with my partner that I dislike team teaching. I teach third grade math science, and she teaches ELA social studies. It's a true case of it's not you, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a true case. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, look, your life – I, I think your success in anything in life, Taylor, is based really on your ability to have difficult conversations. And so when I have a better marriage, learn how to have really good arguments that are effective. Want to have great relationships with your in-laws, right? Like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. It one. was a two-parter. Oh, please. Um, I forgot the other part. Yeah, part two. I prefer having more independence and being able to recharge in quiet. I miss teaching all four subjects to keep it more interesting for me. I miss having one other class that I could get closer with. So it, it, that's not going to change my answer. I mean, that, but that okay. is <laughs> great, right? It is. I, I know folks that are my friends that, at school that are introverts that will um, – we, we would have this prep time last year during first period. And there were those of us, I am wildly extroverted, if you can't tell. But um, my friends that were introverted needed, like, one of, a friend of mine was, like, teaching, uh, or, like, they would coach early in the morning, right? And then they'd show up to school, and they needed time to kind of, like, recharge before going into class. And that was just known. And so it's not even saying it like it's a bad thing. It's letting someone know what you need so that they can give it to you, right? So one, what might seem it's it really is having difficult conversations is is the make or break of whether you're not gonna, you're not going to be successful at anything. Sometimes it's a hard conversation with yourself, and sometimes it's a hard conversation with others to get to the truth. But I think the truth should always be spoken, even if your voice is shaking. That's one. The other thing is, look, if Taylor, if you're in a relationship with someone. Um, and there's this idea, I forget what the book is, but talks about your different love languages. If we don't tell people how to love us and what we need, then they're just going to be guessing all the time, right? I met this guy over the weekend at this conference, and he is extremely wealthy. And he was like, he said something like, he rented out this something crazy along these lines. My man rented out the Braves Stadium in Atlanta. And then gifted his wife a Lamborghini truck, right? And just so you know, I'm not balling on that level. I don't want anyone to think that. Um, when I am, I will, I'll let you know. But um, So he said his wife never drove the Lamborghini truck. And so he asked her about it. And she's like, that's not what I want. I just want you to affirm me and to love me and to hold my hand or rub my back or lay with me on the couch. Like That's, that's what I want. And so he was like, bro. I did it because I I just didn't know. I just thought it was like, you know, you would love possessions. You would love stuff. You would love gifts. And so when we don't tell people, even our coworkers, what we need, if we need quiet, if we need um, them to talk less aggressively, if we need uh, to split the work, it is you have to have those conversations so that we can help each other give one another what we need. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, Taylor. You could go in and say, hey, look, 
I haven't been upfront with you this year, but here's kind of how I'm made. And because of that, this is what I need. And so I'm trying to figure out some ways because I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I really think that you're doing a great job and I really love teaching with you. And it is a, it's me, not you. But if I don't tell you what I need and then do this, what are some things you might need to, that, that I need to know about so that we can be the most amazing teaching experience collaboration ever? Like that's where I want to get to. So that's why I'm telling you this because I want to be great. So maybe you don't even know right now, but be sure to share that with me. If there's something you need, I want to be able to know so that we are, we are like, um, we're like peas and carrots. You know what I mean? Like what, what are we doing together? That, that is going to be awesome. That's how I would have that conversation. Yeah. And she did say there was a part three. I didn't realize she said that they got along well and didn't, she didn't want to hurt her feelings or put her in a tough situation. She said she was feeling pretty stuck. You know what's going to hurt her feelings, Taylor? If you keep your mouth shut and she keeps trying to care for you and do things that she thinks is working and then you go a whole year or several years and don't say anything. It's better to go in now and say, hey, can we have a conversation? I wasn't 100% honest with you in the beginning of the year and I'm trying. To, I'm still new with this. I'm still trying to get used to, to dealing with this, but I want us to be awesome. For me to be awesome, this is what I need. And then that's that's a gift to someone else because then they're not trying to figure it out. Then when you've seemed tired or aggravated, they're not like, why am I trying my best? And they're just tired and aggravated all the time. That's because you're letting them buy you the Lamborghini truck when all you want them to do is hold your hand. Yep. All right. Zoe is up next asking, how do you cope when marking feels like it's taking over? I marked 125 <laughs> psych tests. Uh, physics. Physics, sorry. Physics tests in a week and it snapped it snapped me and I know I'll have another 125 next week. So Zoe, it's, I think it's about one. Um, not all tests have to be super long to be comprehensive. Sometimes as teachers, I'm not saying you do this. We do things because it's what we, we did when we were kids. It's what everyone else is doing. It's what we think we should be doing. I have quizzes sometimes that are one question. That's it. Did you do the reading homework last night? I got a one question quiz for you. That's it. Um, I know we've gotten away, like people really frown on things like Scantrons, but there are apps and I'm working with a brand now that I'm going to be able to hopefully share with you all soon that I just is doing great work. And it's an app on your phone and you scan stuff. And it's not like some of those companies you have to like pay for their special paper and stuff like that. And you only get so many downloads, all this crap. This is all inclusive and you scan it and it grades it. Then last year I had my man. I just one. Silly's kid. like I want that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gian was. I can't bother to talk about it though until like it's like official. Like that's part of the. Deal. Oh yes, it's like, yes, a, yes, it's yeah, like a do not talk about thing. NDA. Uh yeah. So, uh my man, uh Gian and Sid the science kid, they just graded all my vocab tests for me every week. That was 150 vocab tests every week that they just graded, and then um. I did like the short answer or the sentences or whatever. Like there was a very small part that I had to do and they loved that. You know why? Cause I bought them donuts every Friday. I literally went to Dunkin' Donuts every Friday for mediocre coffee, bought two donuts each for them. And they were like buying donuts. Yep. And then every once in a while I get like something special. Like I'd get like, you know, I get their special donut. That yeah. They have. Like, whatever yeah, whatever, holiday like, or seasonal. Eagles donuts came out. They always have Eagles donuts in the fall and it, they're <laughs> like, what? like Reynolds, you hooked it up bro i got you thanks for y'all keep grading um and that was they loved that so it's about figuring out some ways like could you do less questions could you do part m multiple choice could you do it online 
could you grade it with an app? Could you get someone else to help you grade with it? Because they're going to love doing that stuff. Um, could you have a grading party? We have grading parties in school all the time where, like, all the teachers would show up. We're doing, like, we get, like, some food together or something like that. We're all grading at one time. Or we have a number of students that come in and we buy students, like, pizza or just give them, I would usually just give them cereal. And um, they loved that kind of stuff. But then it was it was delegating some of my work so I didn't have to do as much. Um, the question is, what would this look like? If it were easy, what would this look, what would teaching look like? And I'm not saying you can absolutely get to this point, but what would teaching look like if I could only do it between when I get here and the time I'm supposed to leave? What would it, what would I have to do if that, if I had to fit it in that time? I'm not saying that you can do that. Like there might, there might be some extra hours and some extra time and stuff like that but it makes you start thinking in a different way um, to, to be able to get the solution that you need. All right. We got a question over on Facebook. Awesome. I don't know your name because of privacy settings possibly, that's but fine. so, okay. CJ, not so secret. That's wife. actually their profile picture. Maybe. I love that gray head. <laughs> um, a 60 year old white army retiree, 28 year plus career switcher in my ninth year teaching i am teaching at a title one primarily hispanic school and how can i connect more efficiently with my students i get recommendations for anime music and movies but don't speak spanish how can i connect uh so i this is a great question um i i spoke my first year uh my first year that i taught was in camden new jersey and students were uh, it's probably it's about 50 50 right um african-american students and hispanic students but hispanic students from all all over, like from dominican republic puerto rico mexico um nicaragua like there was a lot of spanish speaking going on right and then within that there's like there's like i have kids that would say like they're like i don't they don't teach like they don't speak like proper spanish like so there's different like sort of dialects and sort of versions from from different spots i am uh, grew up speaking English. I had to take two years of Spanish in, in college. Um, so short of learning Spanish, which is an enormous undertaking, especially when you're teaching, which I think could be awesome. Um, it is helping students to understand that you don't want the, you want to lessen the barrier that the language barrier is creating, right? So it's, it is, loving on kids in such a way that they know that I'm here to do this. So one of the ways that we did this was, I remember my first year teaching, I had a young woman, uh, Demania, and Demania spoke no English. Um, but her friend, Nicole, did. And so Nicole would, I, I think she sat next to Demania, and her job was to sort of like translate for me or let, let me know if Demania needed help on something. And so that worked a little bit. Then we started creating, I had all these other kids that would come in after school that were like um, failing and were really upset about it. So we set up a time after school where I would help anyone, but I needed to create a space that was going to get kids excited about showing up. So we're reading something like seemingly dry, like the Odyssey before I did taught reading like the way that I do it now. So it's like just reading in class. Um, so it was, sorry, there's a bug on my lens. Um, it was 
creating this space after school where I would let the kids, they could put on whatever music. So all of a sudden my room is bumping with like reggaeton and every, all, every teacher's like, what's Reynolds doing in there? Um, kids would bring in food. I would ask them about like, yo, what's like, what's like one thing that your mom makes? Um, that's like a, something cultural for you all. That's like just great. So then kids start bringing me in food. They start bringing food for one another. They go to the corner store after school, get some food, come back or I'd bring snacks in. So now we're listening to music, we're eating food together, we're connecting with one another, um, and the language barrier is still there, but they see you're trying. And then it was helping one another. We were working as a community to understand what, what we need to be doing, understand how to do it, and then having a better output on it. And then I would just curve those grades because you're like you're not going to be able to do something as well as someone that's a native English speaker reading an English text. I would do things like um, if I knew someone loved anime, I'd give them the graphic novel of the Odyssey, and they they had to read that. So now you had a picture that went with the words, and I'd make sure I'd get it at a reading level that was a little bit more doable for you. Um, and so it was. It, it's it's to me, it's about this. Are we going to be able to get over the language barrier this year? Maybe not. But can we plant seeds of hope that if you're working, if you're putting in the work and doing stuff, that you know two things. One, you can do it. And two, I'm here with you. And I got you for the rest of these four years and beyond. And that, you know, here, here's how I know that worked. Years and years and years later, I'm teaching in West Philadelphia and we're dressing up for Halloween and my job is I'm Rick. We're going to dress up as the cast from uh, from The Walking Dead. I'm in a local thrift store and I hear Mr. Reynolds and I turn around and Demania is standing behind me with her baby in the thrift store buying something for Halloween as well. And uh, she said, I got to tell you how much it meant to me when we were younger, like I still remember like going to your room after school and having these little parties and how you would listen to our music all the time, even though I didn't know one friggin' word. They could have been cursing <laughs> their brains. I had no idea. Um, and she's like, that really just meant so much to me. And, um, and I talked to her and her life sounded really wonderful now. So what we're doing sometimes is we need to remember as educators that we don't have to, everything doesn't have to be fixed now, Right. We are, it is an ever evolving thing. And what we're trying to do is plant seeds of hope in children sometimes so that as they continue to grow and do and be that they can, um, they can keep doing that. We are giving them the motivation and the hope to be able to do that. So fantastic. I mean, I'm, I love that you're doing this work and thank you so much for, for your 28 years of, of service in the military. Um, and thanks for the work that you're doing now. I'm sure that's incredible. Um, Amaisha is up next asking, what's the, she's asking a pretty good one. What's the difference between rigging the system so you can win and being selfish in education? Uh, that's a good one. That's a tough one. It, it's not tough. Girl, no. I got this. It's I'm not sorry. tough. You got the answer? <laughs> Maisha, I think the gig here is what are your motives? Right. I, when I talk about, so folks, to folks that don't know, I, I rigged the game to win, right? Meaning I make things so easy for me that my chances of doing them are so much more doable, right? So I go to the gym three days a week. Um, my, so for me, it used to be, this is all I had to do was show up at the gym. I deal with myself. And when I make a deal with myself, I take it very seriously. 
my deal with myself was go to the gym and sign in. If I wanted to walk right the hell back out the gym and get back in my car and go home, I could do it, right? The deal with myself was to get to the gym because that's <laughs> the hardest part so many times, right? It's like it put on your gear and get into the gym. I got to get a bunch of ass. By the time you sign in, it's like, there. all right, I guess I'll just yeah. go do something. If you're already there, you're looking at everyone else. And I see like, you know, at, I don't know if you know this, but at, when we go to the gym, bro and I in the morning, there are a lot of senior citizens there. Oh, I, well, I used right? to go at that time. That's my favorite. And they do this They do this exercise. It's, it's adorable. Where it's like literally like bicycle pedals and you just go like uh-huh. this. And Broad's like, is that even doing anything? I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter because they're doing something, right? So let that, like, yeah. just, I don't even know. I'm not an exercise scientist. So I just go in there. I see someone doing this. I'm like, bro, if this woman who looks like she is like on the cast of the Golden Girls can show up every day and do this. <laughs> Um, and she's got the whole outfit on and everything, right? And then I can do it. Now my deal with my son now is you can go to the gym. You have to go to the gym three days a week. You have to do four exercises two times each. That's it. If we want to do more, if you want to add another set on, if you want to do another exercise, if you want to stay a little bit longer, we can do it. Um, and then I have this deal with him that if you do it, then you can do the massage chair thing at the end because he loves the frigging massage chair. So that's rigging the game to win. Rigging the game to win is saying that um, I need to start flossing my teeth. So I have to literally floss between two teeth. That's it. Just two teeth. But by the time you get the floss out and you start doing it, it's like, can I do two more? So here, here that's rigging the game. What I mean by all of this is that um, if your motives, if you know that what you're doing is tricking yourself to get started so you can do more and better work, right? Then I think that's okay, right? Even if you're, if, if the, if it's bottom level right now right bottom level is better than no level showing up is better than not showing up putting in five minutes of 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 doing if, if you can do one push-up a day right the likelihood that you're going to do two is far greater because you already got down there and if you're old like me it's like bro i'm already down here i might as well freaking try and do another one at least um that's what rigging the game is to me now there are folks that might do that and use it to get out of doing work or make themselves feel like, like there's it's it's all about your motivation and your self-talk um but i know that that works for me tricking myself to show up so that i can do the thing and then i once i do it i mean it's interesting though that uh Maisha, you even said like what's the difference between that and then being selfish in education i i once had a conversation with an educator and we were talking about this idea of like really putting in boundaries and saying no when you get asked to do all the million things like we say that teachers get asked um and they asked me like is that being selfish like putting those boundaries up and i was like i thought to myself no but it's really interesting that people think putting boundaries in place is you being selfish like it's we just it's like a like cultural thing that like just screws with our head the idea that if we have to put a boundary in for ourselves that that is just being selfish and it's like i really want to change that narrative and say no boundaries are just good because you know what's good for you let me ask you though if you're struggling with that though what would you suggest someone do if they're struggling with um with knowing whether or not it is because it could be it could be selfish right i right? think it's it's there's a fine line between knowing like what is a boundary to so what do you do when needs. you're struggling with that oh i don't know i think it's you just have to discern with each situation whether if it's like i had <laughs> i have extra phone calls i need to make today with teachers because i wasn't sure because they're going through something yeah 
what would I do? What do I do all the time when I'm not, I'm like, when I'm not sure, should I do this? Should I not do this? I don't know. Am you, I you asked me? Myself? Yes. <laughs> oh, right? that's what you're I think it's, for. it's I having know. a trusted source to be able to ask and someone to talk to. Oh, agreed. That's yes. going to let you know, like, yo, am I being selfish and doing this? And you got to ask the right person, right? Like, um, well, someone that's going to tell you the truth, right? Yeah. You, you, you got to ask person. someone that's not selfish. Ask someone that's selfish. They're going to go, no, don't do that. Right? It's like, <laughs> ask someone that's not selfish that is in the right mind. Um, and then it'll go better. Yeah. I just, I think it was just interesting. Like the difference between like not understanding, like even how to rig something to win yeah. it for yourself. And that's like looked at sometimes as being selfish also. Can we do one more? Uh, yeah, because John Fox, do you have a specific one that you were looking at or something? Cause, um, um, I got John Fox is up next, and he's got yeah, a good it. one. No, hit it. Um, he is asking, what do you think English teachers do too much of, and what do you think we don't do enough of? If you were Secretary of Education, oh, what major shifts in instruction would you advocate for? Woo, that's a big one. These are so hard to think. There's so much information. Like, it's hard on a quick on a dime is what I, I would mean. say this as an English teacher um, for 17 years. It is about. I think focusing on getting kids to want to read and not have to read is huge. So several years ago, our leadership at our school, this wasn't even a me thing, instituted independent reading. But they were like, we'll buy any book for any kid that wants to read. Like we'll, we'd rather we'd rather not fund things just going to the library and have a kid go on Amazon and for eight to $15 go, I want to read this cookbook. I want to read this biography. I want to read this book about gangster movies. Um, that's what I'm interested in. Then I can order that. And then I have a big deal and I hold up the book and it's like, it's brand new. And I give it to you. Now the book belongs in my school library more times than, than I would. I mean, I often gave books to kids, but like, that was a huge thing. I think um, student voice is imp utterly important too. And I don't know that we're doing that um, very well. So like, that's why we do journals every day is because I want my kids to learn how to share their voice, share what they're thinking and feeling. You know, kids are told speak when spoken to, and then they're never spoken to. And then when we do ask them an opinion, they're not used to exercising that part of their brain or that part of their their heart. And so they can't do it. And then I think, John, fundamentals. You know, I'm going to tell you what, and this would piss kids off if, you, if they knew that they were going to do it, but um, learning how to diagram sentences transformed the way that I wrote. I literally did not learn. To, and I remember doing diagramming sentences in like fifth and sixth grade. I took a college course on it. It changed everything. And that's part of student voice too, right, is learning how to communicate clearly so that you understand the logic behind the makeup of a sentence is going to transform the way you speak, the way that you write, and the way that you communicate with others. And, and so I think that that's utterly important too. It's some of those basic things that we've gotten away from um, in the name of rigor or, or policies or systems or whatever else. It's it's That's huge. And, and if I was to say one other thing, it is coming to terms with that look, there's a common misconception right now that, oh, everyone today, these kids all think they have ADHD, right? It's like, 
Or did they just always have ADHD? Like, I don't think people 50 years ago, there was any less ADHD, maybe, right? It's worth having a conversation about anyway. I'm not, I'm not like a scientist. I don't know for sure. But like, I think it is, it's looking at things now and saying, or did we just not have the data before? And then how are we teaching all the different types of students right it is creating schools that are wildly more inclusive than they are now and saying i know it's a lot of money to remediate someone in the ninth grade that's dyslexic that never learned how to read because of their their mm -hmm. learning difference how do we actually take action on something like that to help kids be who they could be instead of going ah you're in a gray area my man you're not autistic enough dyslexic enough um, you don't process slow enough that you're not going to get all the services. I think there are all these kids in this kind of gray area that fall between the, the fall in the cracks because they're not, they don't score enough. But if we really look at those kids and go, this certain individual needs this amount of remediation, this amount of counseling or therapy or whatever else, it, I, there's just a few of the things. Man, that I, I would change. just go back to reading. Someone uh, made a great comment on our um, YouTube, and it was about how reading instruction is they i think they were, were high school and they said they had a kid come in and test literally on a first grade reading level i had kindergarten reading level I know, last year and it hurts my i just like gosh they were like yeah figure you know what they, they told me to somewhere. do i know i they don't said, even want to hear because it, it just makes me mad because it's so stupid i know you just got scaffold your class bro i'm sorry what trish is in here somewhere in what? the comments she'll she would commiserate with me <laughs> that, was, that is where my heart is i just think if something in education is like we've got to change reading man yeah so listen here's <sighs> what we're doing before we go next saturday i'm going to put the link in uh in the comments right now we are doing we want you to be the greatest teacher you could possibly be and so we're doing this stuff full time we're trying to create um we're trying to create things that will help you to teach in a real way. So we created this course, it was asked for, so we created it, student engagement. How to get your kids to start on time in class, how to get kids to show up on time, how to get kids to transition from one activity to another, how to get kids to stop talking, stop touching one another, stop talking over you when you're trying to get them to do, how to get more kids, maybe not all your kids, but more at that percentage of work handed in, quality work handed in, to go up higher. This is what we're focusing on. It's going to happen next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you can't make that live stream when we do it, um, it will happen. Uh, you can just watch it whenever you want. You'll have it for like, I don't know, it's 30 days or something like that. Um, and we're going to do a follow-up too. This is my new thing. And I'm going to do this for the people that signed up for the lesson planning too. Also, you're going to get an email this week. We're going to do a follow-up um, two weeks afterwards to see where you are you tried something maybe it didn't go well maybe it did go well you want to share your story but we want to be create this support because we're all in this together teaching is a communal activity some of us are lucky enough blessed enough to have that community in our schools and some of us aren't but we are trying to create that community here where it's a safe space to show up as you are on your way to becoming who you are called to be so that's gonna be happening next saturday um look gang i so deeply appreciate all of you showing up on here if there's anything else that you need you can go right to uh realrapwithreynolds.com and we'd be happy to to help you with anything 
that uh that you need and that's actually not the right banner that's right there. <laughs> um so that's it everybody i hope you have a really wonderful week anything else wife keep doing your best that's it that's all you can tell them yeah cool peace <clears throat> oh i screwed it up and didn't hit the thing let's do it again ready okay. peace, peace. <laughs>